three months postpartum, I was really feeling down on myself. Um, I actually went in and saw the psychiatrist um, and they told me it was actually late. Um, this was coming up late, me having any type of depression or anxiety. Mm, this is kind of late for it to be coming up. So I was like, oh, I can't even have depression rights. Like I'm so horrible that I can't even do this right. So they're telling me that like, oh, it's gotta be something else. It's not postpartum, it's not this. Hello and welcome to the Align Your Glow and Soul podcast. I'm grateful you are tuning in today. I'm Shauna Hall, a self-love and mindset coach teaching you how to align your life through mindset shifts, spirituality, and manifestation. Each week, I'll be giving you tips designed to help you create a passionate, purposeful, high-vibe reality that you love. If you're ready to align your glow, you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to the Align Your Glow and Soul podcast. I am so, so excited. Today, we've got Emily on the podcast, who is a mental health or maternal health postpartum doula. So. Today, we're going to fill your ears with all things fourth trimester, prevention, mental health awareness, and really just how to take care of you and yourself as a mom during and after your pregnancy. So Emily, so excited to have you. Welcome on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So my first question from all my guests is, how do you align your glow? I align my glow with trying to, I think, get me time um, mm -hmm. as much as I can. Being a mom, being a business owner and a caretaker, um, I often, like most caretakers, don't think of myself. So one of the things that I've really been trying to incorporate into my daily routine is some me time of some sort whether it's like take a bath, I'm, I like to do like tarot readings on myself. It's just like a form of meditation for me. So um, journaling, I try to just take some type of time and just focus on myself. Oh my goodness. Yay. I love it. I love it. When people <laughs> say that. And I think it's critical for your mental health. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, and you can make it as detailed short as long as you like just about your journey you know what made you decide to become a doula how long have you been practicing um and just any info you want to talk about really about kind of your mom journey as well yeah so um I had my first um child in 2012 and I almost died when I had him. Um, I had a postpartum hemorrhage about 12 hours after I delivered. Um, luckily, I was still in the hospital, but it was one of those things where they had tried everything um, and they could not get the bleeding to stop and they weren't sure why. So um, I didn't know till after um, how close I came to dying, but my recovery time was way different than a normal vaginal delivery. Um, so it was more like a C-section where I could not do much of anything by myself um, for the first six weeks, which was really hard because my husband had to get right back to work. Um, breastfeeding was super difficult with my son. So it was just this 
storm of just my perfect little bubble of how motherhood was going to go and how delivery was going to go was completely shattered. Mm -hmm. And um, it left me feeling really inadequate, um, especially when I had issues with breastfeeding. I felt like, oh, I can't even do this right. Um, So I kind of... I kind of snapped out of it around like three, four months um, to where I was feeling better and more secure in my new role as a mom. And then um, two years later, I had my second. Well, my entire pregnancy, I was terrified that I was going to possibly die again or, you know, hemorrhage like I did the first time around. And all the healthcare providers that I worked with, all the doctors are like, oh, that was a fluke. It was because he was a big baby. He was, you were induced. It was this, it was that. So nobody took my fears seriously, which caused me severe anxiety my entire pregnancy um, to the point where I wanted them to induce me or possibly do a C-section just because I wanted to have some type of control over when I went into labor. So um, I ended up having her, I did bleed um, really bad again, but since they knew it was a possibility, they jumped on it right away. So I did not bleed nearly as much um, and my recovery time was shorter, but I still had unresolved trauma from the first time around. So by the time I hit three months postpartum, I was really feeling down on myself. Um, I actually went in and saw the psychiatrist um, and they told me it was actually late. Um, This was coming up late, me having any type of depression or anxiety. mm, This is kind of late for it to be coming up. So I was like, oh, I can't even have depression rights. Like I'm so horrible that I can't even do this right. So they're telling me that like, oh, it's got to be something else. It's not postpartum. It's not this. So um, I did end up getting some therapy and working on some things, but it still did not feel like I actually addressed anything or solved anything. It just felt like putting a Band-Aid on it. And then once I was far enough postpartum, you know, postpartum into my postpartum journey, like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff went away. So it was okay. So when my third came around, um, or after my second, that's when I started looking into support. And I was like, there has to be some type of support for women in postpartum. And I actually was watching an old episode of the Gilmore girls as I was breastfeeding my daughter. And, um, they Suki the character Suki and it had a postpartum doula and I had seen this episode like a dozen times but it never triggered in my head and I was like hmm you know I knew what a birth doula was I was like I don't know what a postpartum doula is so I googled it and I was like oh my gosh this is my dream job I get to help support moms and I get my baby fix I'm like how have I not known this that this is a thing well I quickly realized that in Colorado, it wasn't a thing. I had to go to North Carolina to get my training um, because it was the other option was California, 
but it was going to be like six months later. And I was like, you know, I want to go ahead and do the training to see if this is the route I want to go. Um, so it's a newer thing in Colorado. Um, I actually brought training out here last year through um, the organization Dona International that I'm certified with to help get some more postpartum doulas out there. So, um, so that's how I, you know, stumbled upon it. And I helped a couple different families um, through, you know, my, once my daughter turned four years old, I had another baby. So um, three years later, I had another baby. Um, and then after she got a little bit older is when I really started to dive into my doula work. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Gilmore Girls, for inspiring. I know. <laughs> But thank you for sharing too. I mean, that, you know, it can be devastating to endure any sort of traumatic experience, let alone giving birth. And that's, you know, what we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, I think, a lot today is just mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be a big trauma. It can be, mm-hmm. but even a little trauma, you know, that you tear slightly can be traumatic and impact mm-hmm. your life. And the fact that your doctors mm-hmm. weren't even listening to you about even validating your like valid emotions and experiences is just, it's sad. And it's yeah, I felt so unheard. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm just blowing this out of proportion. Like it made me feel guilty. And then it made me stop talking about my fears. Mm -hmm. And I think that really led me to kind of draw into myself. And I actually did not feel like I bonded with my second during pregnancy the way I did with my first. So when she came out, it was like, I was so terrified to get close with her because I was possibly going to die, that it took a little while for us to de- to feel like I developed that bond with her after birth. Oh and God. then I felt ashamed for that because I'm like, oh, my first son, like it was instant. Like, and I was like, ah, nobody told, everybody tells you like the moms feel it right away. They're bonding with their baby dads. It's okay to wait till baby comes. That's when they bond with the baby. And it's like, not everybody bonds with their baby when they're pregnant. It is a process. Right. And every experience is different. Every pregnancy is different. Every mom is different. Every birth is different. And I'm, you know, I think we need to recognize there is no quote unquote normal way to mm-hmm. <laughs> endure pregnancy, to give birth, you know, everybody's yep. going to be different. And yep. know, there's guidelines, there's recommendations, there's statistics, but take those with a grain of salt. If you don't fit into that niche, there's mm-hmm. something wrong with you. Yeah. And that's one thing that I really try to work with my birth clients specifically, but also postpartum um, is to have realistic expectations because if you don't, you know, you can have this elaborate birth plan. That's great. But if it's not realistic to what can happen, you're just setting yourself up for being disappointed. And like you said, big trauma, little trauma, our bodies see it the same way. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, we're still going to have the same physical responses that we would from a, a huge trauma versus a smaller trauma. Right. And we can't compare traumas. Let's just say that too. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Exactly. Trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter what it is. It's still trauma. So um, let's talk about, since you mentioned it, birth plans. Cause I mm-hmm. never really heard of this idea until I, until I started, you know, getting into filling my brain with as much knowledge mm-hmm. as possible. And I, first of all, I love the idea. I think every mm-hmm. single 
person that gives birth, every mom should have this because it really helps you try to have as much control. And obviously birth Mm -hmm. is birth and the baby's going to do what the baby's going to do. And your plan Mm -hmm. may go out the window, but I think it's great Mm -hmm. to have one. So what would you recommend for your clients? You know, should they have a, um, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, you know, how do you guide them to create one? I kind of have them just think of, um, kind of all possibilities. And sometimes you, unfortunately, you have to plan for the worst too. Um, that way that when it happens, you aren't so caught off guard. And I do this with postpartum with mental health as well, that we have kind of a roadmap to take if things start to go off the rails. So if there is going to be a C-section, how do you want that C-section to go? Do you want to try to do skin to skin? Do you want a drop cloth where you can see through and see baby come out? So that if these things happen, even though it may be an emergency situation and it's out of your control, there might be still small elements that you can feel like you contributed and have choices and options in. Yes, I love that. Um, and nobody knows how they're going to respond to the pain of labor. I mean, I have gone into natural labor and I've been induced. It's two different types of labor. So, um, even if someone is very dead set on having any type of intervention, as far as pain medication or pain management, other than, you know, just hands-on natural, um, I just let them, I try to get them to research it and know the facts. So that if they have to go down that l- road, they aren't like freaking out that, oh, my baby is going to be drugged. This is going to be harmful. This is going to be that. So I love the website Evidence-Based Birthing. Um, they have all the research done on huge, very different topics um, that go into labor and delivery, postpartum, kind of everything. So I tend to go to there for a lot of my research-based articles so that people know, okay, this is scientific, you know, scientifically backed and everything, just to try to take some of that, oh my gosh, I said I was never going to do this. And then I did it. What's going to happen to my baby? I love that you try to provide your clients with informed consent. I think that is very important. Mm-hmm. So when you're cultivating your ideal birth plan, what are some things you want to mm-hmm. think about that you would want to put on there? Uh, distractions. Um, do you like watching movies? Do you like playing board games? Do you like just surfing the web, social media, um, anything that can kind of distract you, um, and that you enjoy doing, um, can be really beneficial during labor that I have not even heard of. It's a great one. Um, Mm -hmm. what are some good natural ways you can manage the pain other than, um, you know, breathing, obviously super important. Yeah. Um, hypnosis, um, kind of guided trans hypnosis, um, can be really beneficial. You do have to start that on the earlier end. It's not like you can just do it um, when you walk in for labor because it is kind of meditative. So you have to learn to kind of really focus um, on that and be able to access it. And it's not for everybody. Not everybody can do that. Um, I also really like um, the use of some women love it, some don't, but like a Theragun type thing. Um, or a massage gun. Mm-hmm. Um, some really like it, not even necessarily on, 
but your your partner is able to push it in really hard um, and they don't get as tired as like holding a tennis ball or something like that and constantly trying to get it into your back. Um, I also love the use of um, sitting on the toilet. I know it sounds <laughs> crazy, actually, <laughs> but it really helps you progress and it just takes off some of the pressure on the rest of your body and lets gravity kind of do its thing. That is so funny. I follow, I'll have to find her information, but it's um, a doula in, I want to say Australia. And she just posted mm-hmm. that recently, why you should sit mm-hmm. on the toilet. And I was like, oh. it really is amazing. Like it, it really does. And even some of the nurses in labor and delivery have said to me, they're like, yep, that's the, when we have people that are not progressing, that's what we do. We say, let's go sit on the toilet fascinating um but it does Mm -hmm. you know i have learned i've had uh, i've interviewed um you know chiropractors and uh, physical Mm -hmm. therapists and they talk about just that pelvic floor and really being able to Mm -hmm. open it up stretch it out relax um Mm -hmm. that entire system of muscles because if it's tense and tight you're gonna have a really difficult time yeah 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 um the other thing i really like too um is to ask them especially if they've had like um intense menstrual cramping like throughout their life how do you deal with that pain how have you dealt with that throughout your life because I mean some people when they're in pain they want to sleep so if we can get to the point where we can get you comfortable enough especially in early labor to get you to sleep um that's one way that you can really progress because your body is in that relaxed state so I try to go back to what worked for you when you're in pain, when you've been in pain in other ways, like what are your go-to, you know, do you jump to grabbing Advil and Tylenol or do you try other things like heating pads, baths, like what has helped you in the past as mm-hmm. well? What a great, like you wouldn't even think of it, right? Like what have you done? That's not really mm-hmm, the wheel here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Cause we handle pain throughout our lives. So what is your go-to for doing that? Because everybody has some type of pain that they've dealt with. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's okay. What has helped you? (laughs) I love that. Um, What are some things that you should take, whether I would, I guess you want to include this in your home birth, but you know, if you were going to go to a birth center or a hospital, what are some must haves you should put in that hospital bag? A sound machine. Oh, okay. Yes. Hospitals specifically are so loud. Mm-hmm. And they are coming in all the time. There's lights, you know, there's bings and pings and all sorts of stuff going off. So um, a sound machine um, or earplugs, whatever works better for you. A lot of times I say sound machine because that also can soothe baby too. Um, so it can make it a little easier. And then um, a sleep mask mm. because they are turning on lights um, and a night light because the light situation in hospital rooms there is no like soft light (laughs) it is ridiculous and my favorite 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 thing for postpartum for a baby registry is a salt lamp like the Himalayan pink Mm -hmm. salt lamp you put a red light bulb in it it you can turn it up really bright but it doesn't stimulate the way blue or white light or other colored light does, but you can still get things done. You can still see for changes, for nursing, for all that other stuff 
without turning on a light that's going to cause stimulation to anybody. Yes. Oh, I've read so much um, good things about having red light instead of, you know, these very bright, you know, um, mm-hmm. your eyes at all. So yes, love that. Yeah. Yeah. So with that uh, postpartum product in line, what else would you mm-hmm. say? You know, you, maybe you wouldn't even know, like I've read um, what frozen pads that are great mm-hmm. to help just, you mm-hmm. know, feel better, but mm-hmm. what are some of the great items and- you say? Some people, they love them. Some people, they don't. It actually, depending on how frozen it is, it can Mm -hmm. kind of be, especially if you have a tear, it can be a little intrusive. Um, So, but I do recommend lots of pads, lots of big pads. Um, Steel, not steel, because you're paying for them in the hospital, (laughs) specifically. Um, Take as many hospital pads as you can. Because you can't buy ones exactly like that, um, like at the grocery store. Um, They are different. Even like the heavy duty ones, they still are different. They don't cover as much um, and they don't hold as much either. So definitely take as much from the hospital as you can and those undies. Um, I know we're trying to go greener, but postpartum is not the time to go green. Uh, buy disposable stuff. You don't want to have to be washing anything more than you need to. Mm. So um, for the first, even if it's just for the first couple weeks, like I just, anything that you have that you can just toss, toss it. Cause it's just so much easier. Right. You got a lot going on. That was that postpartum mm-hmm. era. I also really like, um, like on Amazon, they have like the hospital gowns, like the birthing gowns Mm -hmm. that are a little cuter, but the access that they have up top is perfect for putting baby in and doing skin to skin Mm. without having to like really take clothes off or do anything like that. And they kind of fit in like a pouch really easily. Um, so that's one of my go-tos for like the first week, especially with breastfeeding, because it makes it so easy to just pull it down, but you don't feel like you're necessarily exposed. You can easily take it back up. So that's one of my, like, I guess less, um, suggested items that I've seen from other doulas is a hospital, like a hospital, um, maternity gown. Okay. So in a nice robe set, um, nice PJs that you're comfortable in. Um, just if you are nursing, make sure that you have easy access. Um, cause you don't want to have to be dealing when baby's hungry, baby's hungry. And you don't, when you're learning to breastfeed, it's a process. It's not, I, they say it's natural, but there's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it is natural, there is a learning curve and you don't want to have any added stress. So just being able to whip things out and do what you do really quickly, it makes it a lot easier. Which again, you may not even realize and think about. So mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. All- they have all this cute like nursing stuff, but it's not necessarily the most functional for when you're starting your nursing journey. Mm. Because a lot of it is once you've gotten it down baby has a little more head control like you don't have to look at baby um to make sure they're latched properly so a lot of the things that kind of drape over aren't necessarily the best for when you're starting out the breastfeeding journey oh very good to know 
Um, I'll put together a list too. If you're listening, you're like, what did she say? I'll have it in the show notes. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And the last thing is I mentioned the salt lamp. That is one of my go-tos that I say to put on uh, the registry is the salt lamp Um, because they are, they make diaper changing, feeding, everything. You can sleep with it on if you really wanted to, Mm -hmm. and it won't disturb you or baby or partner. So I definitely something with a red light the salt lamps they're pretty they look a little nice you can use them later on um and then also a huge water bottle mm, okay like huge to one to the hospital uh afterwards they okay. give you some pretty big ones in the hospital luckily and if you ask for more they'll give you more um but once you're home even if you're not nursing at first you are so thirsty all the time oh okay And one of the things that I say, sometimes it's better to have two. So if you have upstairs and downstairs, keep one upstairs, keep one downstairs, because you don't want to, when you're tired in the middle of the night and you're super thirsty, you can just fill it up in the sink or something or have bottle, whatever your preferred method, have a jug of water or something, but to keep you from being like, ah, where's my water bottle now? Just have two of them and just put them in two different places. So you always have water. Smart. Again, yes. Love that. (laughs) So let's transition over to fourth trimester. It is, you know, something you're super passionate about. Um, and just that maternal mental health doula, um, Mm -hmm. knowledge and services. Um, you know, you've been doing this for six years, you know, why mm-hmm. focus on maternal mental health and and getting um these women who are in this time frame support well one of the things is we have learned that one in seven women are um experience postpartum mood disorders um depression specifically um post pandemic or still in pandemic whatever um that number is going to rise mm-hmm. um we're going to see a lot more. We have seen a lot more. So the statistics are kind of outdated, obviously. Um, and then also 20% of pregnant and new moms experience some type of maternal mental health disorder. Um, those numbers don't have to be that, that bad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like this. The majority of the situations are preventable. Um, having the right support we have found is one of the biggest things at preventing postpartum mood disorders. So let's just say new mom, right? First pregnancy, Mm -hmm. she's excited, so joyful to carry and really doesn't even know, you know, some of the things that can occur, um, once you have Mm -hmm. a child, um, Mm -hmm. what, would you say to her, what should she, who should she have in her care team? And what are some preventative measures she can have? So mm-hmm. she doesn't become a statistic or doesn't, you know, find herself in a position where she's struggling to get up every day, or she doesn't feel mm-hmm. like she's bonding with the baby, or she doesn't feel like she's a normal mom. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is sharing the reality of motherhood. It is not this rosy, pink glasses, beautiful, amazing thing all the time. 
you can still love your child and hate being a parent some days. You can hate having to get up in the middle of the night for that 15th diaper change. It is okay and it's normal. These are normal feelings, but nobody talks about it. It doesn't make you a bad mom. Um, I think having someone that you can talk to um, and feel 100% comfortable and not judged is one of the biggest things um, because you have to have someone that I, I always say that you, um, you can have as much support. You can have all the support in the world, but if it's not the right support, it's not going to help. Um, I, for instance, I had my parents, my mom, I love her, you know, everything. I had so much help but it wasn't the right support. I needed someone to validate my feelings, to tell me that not just be like, oh, you're having a bad day. At least the baby's healthy. At least you're alive. Like, you know, and that's just, that's just kind of, first of all, that generation. And then also that's kind of our go-to with people is instead of being like, well, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. Like, that's gotta be hard feeling like that. We just try to pep them back up. We'll look on the bright side. Well, you know what? You got to you got to work with what you're working with. And if you're feeling down in the dumps, you need to be able to voice that and not feel judged or shame. Mm, shame. I mm-hmm. all my mom friends have experienced it in some level and I mean, I don't what why do we why do we go through this roller coaster of emotions? I think a lot of it is because the way we view emotions. Mm. We view emotions are as good or bad. Mm-hmm. Emotions are not good or bad. They are neutral. The behavior and the reaction to them can be good or bad. If you're feeling anger and you walk up and punch somebody, yeah, that's a bad reaction, but the anger is not bad. The anger is normal. It's an emotion. It's yeah, it's not good or bad. And I think we put so much into our emotions being good or bad that when we feel emotions that's where the shame comes in because we're bad for feeling those emotions oh my goodness you nailed that I would agree agree 100 <laughs> I think that's a beautiful explanation and you know it's just something we all have to learn how to rewire our brains and stop this mm-hmm. like oh I feel bad or I'm like this is bad or this is good and you're absolutely right you know if you have ever, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, please look up the emotional frequency scale, the Hertz emotional frequency scale. It talks about the mm-hmm. frequency of emotions and nor, nowhere on there does it say that these are good or bad. Just talks about yeah. lower emotions and higher emotions. And mm-hmm. we're going to feel the low ones and there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just realizing if you feel like you're getting stuck in these lower emotions, how, what, how can you get some support? How can you get them help? As you said, how can you talk mm-hmm. to somebody? And you know, it's not mm-hmm. your best friend. It's not, I, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're in your life for a different reason. They're not there to, unless you're a counselor, you know, they're not there mm-hmm. to guide you through and diagnose you. And, you know, they just don't know. They're not trained. They don't have the um experience or really the um, tools to provide you with. So um, mm-hmm. yes. What are, I guess some ways someone could tell if they need um, some, some support, whether it's a, you know, a postpartum doula like yourself, or maybe even um, a psychiatrist or a therapist, mm-hmm. what are some, um, I guess, um, you know, pinpoints 
before they get to really a crisis situation? Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things is to be realistic about how much sleep you need um, because you're not going to sleep much with babies here. And if you're a person that has to get 12 hours of sleep for you to function, that's okay. But make sure we're setting up um, grandma coming over so you can sleep some way to make sure that you are getting chunks of sleep uh, because that is going to be one of the quickest ways to go down that rabbit hole um, when you are feeling bad. If you are, I have clients all the time that are super overwhelmed when I walk in the door after getting them some sleep they feel a lot better. We talk about the same stuff and it's like, oh, okay. You know, you just see it in a different light maybe. Um, so I think making sure someone gets lots of sleep, adequate nutrition, um, because you are healing. Your body is healing from nine months of literally this lovely, beautiful baby stripping your body of all the nutrients that you have basically to grow, which is great, but you need to replenish that. Um, that can also be some of the factors that lead into some of these, um, the mood disorders and feeling really, really just crummy, low energy, not wanting to get out of bed. Um, but if you continue if you continue to really struggle and feel very overwhelmed and not enjoy anything about your new transitioning life, that's when I really say, okay, we need to have a little sit down and let's talk about what we can do to get out of this. Cause it doesn't have to be that way. Oh, yes. Um, I hope that made sense. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I think, you know, I've heard this from many people now is sleep. I mean, and we are so focused on the baby and the baby's needs and sorry, mm -hmm. but mom needs sleep too. There are like, yes. mom needs to be the priority just as much as the baby. And they both can be mm -hmm. the focus of this time frame. Mm -hmm. um, what are some, and I think that's what's wrong with our culture too. Sorry for interrupting, but no, perfect. we <laughs> just, but everything is focused on the baby. Mm -hmm. We forget about mom. Mom just went through this life-changing experience too and transformation. She needs to be taken care of as well. She needs to be nurtured. Just She needs to be babied just the same way. And I think our culture of get up, bounce back, keep going is really toxic. And I think that's another way we build shame is because, oh, well, that person was out like running six months after like ran a marathon. Like, why am I still trying to lose this baby weight? And, you know, I think we just, as a society, we set moms up to fail. We really do. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I would say, and I'll probably write this down as my own advice when I get pregnant is don't <laughs> get on social media postpartum. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We just sit here and compare. I mean, we already do it right in normal life, mm -hmm. um, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, and then take, you know, your very fragile mental state, right? You've got emotions mm -hmm. flying up and down. They're trying to regulate your body's trying to get, you know, get back to, and I don't want to say normal. It's not the right word. We never get back mm -hmm. to normal, mm -hmm. but you know, recover. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's a better word. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so you don't feel great about yourself. And then you're looking at all these women and their beautiful, like postpartum stories that let's be real, probably are not the real situation. 
Yep, exactly. And that's like, because most of the time when moms start getting on, it's the 3 a.m. feeding. You're trying to keep yourself awake. So you're just scrolling and you're spot on. Like that is the most toxic environment to someone who is feeling emotionally vulnerable or not adequate. Um to go on and look at those things yeah that's one of the things that I really tell moms too I'm like okay I'm gonna send you some stuff like I'll send them videos to look at postpartum if they're wondering about certain stuff but I make sure it's a realistic one or you know I make sure it's not just uh the Instagram or Facebook version like it's actual reality based yes and follow pages that are real like they're they're talking about just the reality, you know, I've followed mm-hmm. recently followed all these beautiful, like natural kind of mom pages. And I saw a post today and it was this woman who was either like, right, like postpartum, like fresh postpartum breastfeeding her child. Um, you know, like your stomach still looks like you're pregnant. Like your boobs mm-hmm. are not going to be perky and perfect. And it mm-hmm. talks about how we can just, can we normalize post birth bodies? There is nothing mm-hmm. wrong with them. There's no, no such thing as bouncing back. Let's just take that out of the equation. Exactly. Exactly. I really like Ashley Graham. Mm. Um, She has put up since she's had her babies and everything. She's put up tons of, um, you know, more realistic photos and she's showing her postpartum body and embracing it. And it's just so amazing to see a celebrity model doing that and not just hiding behind a corset or you know doing everything they can shapewear to hide their postpartum figure and it's like no your hips change your body changes like embrace the new you and it's easier said than done you have good days and you have bad days but yeah seeing how toxic of a message that's out there about postpartum bodies and the way you should look, the way you should feel is just, it's so devastating that we do that to people. Yes. Um, okay. Let's finish with what are some, let's just say three. And if you want to add on more, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But what are some three tips that postpartum moms can incorporate in their postpartum routine once they maybe have some sort of routine to help maintain mm-hmm. really good mental health shower it's <laughs> a good one take a shower it will make you feel a lot more human you're going to have milk formula poop everything under the sun like you're gonna have liquids all over you all the time <laughs> so being able to take a shower um really can help just kind of lift your spirits and then also not only just taking a shower but taking a shower that you can enjoy why someone else watches baby don't try to beat the clock before baby starts screaming you are going to hear fandom screams all the time anytime you get in the shower even with my kids being as old as they are now I still get in the shower and I'm like oh is someone calling me? So <laughs> take that pressure off and have someone sit with baby if possible, partner or somebody, um, so that you can actually enjoy your shower. I think another thing would be do something every day to focus on yourself. Even if it's just 
taking, you know, washing your face, putting on your moisturizer, putting on, you know, your favorite lotion, um, lighting your favorite candle, just something that's for you. Yes, I love that. Any other best practices, tips and tricks, really, you know, ways to just be as healthy as you possibly can be during that time frame? Um, honestly, I think the biggest thing is support, Mm -hmm. having a good support system set up, um, so that if you need more sleep, if you're having a rough day, um, and just, you know, (laughs) new moms, you have times where you don't want to be touched. Like you're touched out. You have baby, your body is not yours anymore, especially if you're breastfeeding, like they belong to baby. So (laughs) dealing with that can be very overwhelming. Um, So having a good support system so that when you are feeling overwhelmed and need that break, you can get that break. Um, Preferably it'd be a non-judgmental support system so that (laughs) the narrative is not, oh my gosh, you're passing off your baby again to me. Like, what are you doing? Like, I just had him yesterday or anything like that. Um, Having a good support that is empathetic to what you're going through and realizes that you do need time for yourself and you do need to take care of yourself to be able to take care of your baby. Yes. Mm, I love that. Thank you for the for picturing that information. So Emily, if people are listening, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing and beautiful. And maybe they're pregnant or they're going to get pregnant and they want to hire you and work with you. Um, what services do you offer? offer? And, um, you know, something I didn't think about until I started doing my own research, how far uh, ahead do they need to think about if they if somebody wants to hire a doula? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. So um, I do birth, postpartum, um, newborn care, which is what it used to be referred to as night nanny or whatever. Um, and then I also offer um, maternity concierge, which if you think of it, it's kind of like a wedding planner, um, but for baby planning. So kind of anything and everything that can come up during that process, I can walk you through it and be your go-to with helping um, with anything, <laughs> literally, um, the spectrum of stuff that comes up. Um, as far as planning out um, for birthing, I'd say try to at least by 20 weeks, try to get um, a doula lined out just because depending on the doula you want and how many clients they take on during a certain time, um, they may be booked up. Um, I personally, um, I only take on one birth client at a time for like a month period. And then um, postpartum, I take one to two. Um, I try to leave myself open for emergency situations. Um, If someone has had a really traumatic birth, um, doulas know to kind of reach out to me Mm -hmm. um, so that I can help um, kind of assess the mental health and the trauma and kind of figure out which direction we need to go with care. So I try to always leave myself open for um, emergency situations. Um, But for postpartum, I mean, it's hard. Some people, you know, I'll get a call when baby's two weeks old, and they're just they feel like they're drowning and they want help. Um, 
planning out ahead of time is obviously better because just like anything else, if like especially sleep sleep deprivation, if you can get on that before it becomes an issue, we're not playing catch up. <laughs> so especially for people who have multiples and stuff, I always say like, let's do preventative care here and let's have me start right away so that you are not getting behind, way behind on sleep to where, you know, me coming over and doing care is not going to do much because you're so behind on sleep and you're so tired, so exhausted, so overwhelmed. So I think kind of if you can start it right away and plan for if this mm -hmm. happens, um, it's, it's the best course to go. Mm, I love that. And where do you show up the most to, you know, just educate the, the world on all of your uh, experience and knowledge? Are you on Facebook, Instagram? What's your favorite place? Instagram is where I'm on most. I've been really bad about posting lately, but I'll get back into it. I was really busy over the summer um, with clients and everything. So, and in the fall, so I just kind of fell off. But that's where um, my contact info, my information, everything will be up up to date more than anything else. I'm getting ready to um, switch over my company name and rebrand. So I'm going to be, instead of my doula, I'm going to be um, Simple Beginnings LLC. So my website will be down. So Instagram is definitely the easiest way to get a hold of me right now. Lovely. I'll... As always, have that in the show notes. Easy to find you. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you, Emily, so much for just sharing really all the things. We could probably continue on forever and ever, but we'll leave it, you know, so people <laughs> can get the gist. Um, really appreciate just, you know, your passion to support women in their postpartum journey. You know, thank you for doing, you know, clearly you're doing what you love and it's beautiful. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I found, I found my calling for sure. I absolutely love it. Awesome. And if you're listening, <laughs> I say it every time, I'll say it again. If you got anything from this, from this podcast or um, think that anybody could benefit, benefit from it, you know, share the episode, send it to a friend who maybe needs to hear it or, you know, take a screenshot and share it on Instagram and tag us. So thank you again, listeners and have a magical day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I'd love to connect with you. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram to be entered in to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and don't forget to glow like you're meant to. Have a fabulous week.